Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Trading in the financial markets involves a risk of loss. Podcast episodes and other content produced by Chat with Traders are for informational or educational purposes only and do not constitute trading or investment recommendations or advice. The speed at which losses are occurring is more important than the actual dollar amount. If you don't know how fast you can lose the $200 that you planned out, then it's irrelevant because once a trader says, okay, I'm going to lose $200 and then it appears on their screen and it appears so fast. Now they're in that shock. There's the shock that the loss is there. And then now there's the shock of the speed. And then you get frozen. I don't know what to do. And then they don't make any decision. That loss turns into 400, 600, a thousand and plus. Markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat with Traders podcast. Around 80% of day traders lose money over the course of a year, and about 95% of day traders ultimately lose money. Now, I don't know how accurate those statistics are, but hey, it came from ChatGPT. What do I know? Anyway, what matters is you, that maybe you are going through this right now. We're in episode 258. I'm Tessa, co-host of Chat with Traders, and I've gone through the difficult times and suffered through trading losses as many traders have experienced. So I'm dedicating this special episode to traders who are stuck at this very moment in their trading. Maybe you feel lost, frozen, or ashamed by your losses. Well, it's important and about time we make real space to talk and think and approach the topic of losses in a different, open, and honest way. Our guest today is Alexander Moreno. He comes at the perfect moment to help open that space and discussion and shares his journey with our host, Ian Cox. Alexander dedicated significant hours to books and market analysis and sought regular counsel from a seasoned trading mentor. After refining his abilities through months of paper trading, he ventured into live trading. The reaping of consistent profits bolstered his confidence and led him to trade full-time for a living. However, the unforeseen market turbulence in 2008 unleashed his psychological struggles, leading to impulsive trading and ultimately to homelessness. Through this harrowing experience, it granted him invaluable insights that he now imparts to fellow traders everywhere. 
This is an eye-opening chat that can be a game-changer for us traders in terms of how we think and feel about losses and gives another perspective on managing the risks so that we can survive the trading game long enough to learn and improve through experience and eventually thrive. Just a quick reminder, this is not financial advice. The purpose of everything we do in Chat with Traders is to share. Now, without further delay, ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome our guest, Alexander Moreno, originally from Queens, New York. Alexander, welcome to Chat with Traders. Thank you so much, and I greatly appreciate it, Tessa, and thank you for, for everyone on the team. Uh, so take us back, um, way back, to a little bit about your background and how you first got into trading. It all started, I was born and raised in New York. I didn't really... Um, understand what the stock market was, never even heard of it. I knew it was in New York. And my first introduction to the stock market was when I went to the bank and they stopped me and said, would you like to invest in a mutual fund or a fund? And I said, sure. I didn't know anything about it. They sat me down, told me what, what the percentage returns that they were having. And if I was interested, I never, never did anything like that. So I gave it a shot. And then I was always excited to get the statements and they when they came, they, you know, the, the money wasn't really moving that much. So I kept kind of waiting and waiting and, and it kept just being very stagnant and just lost. And I eventually closed it and I said, okay, this was here for this, lo this long. I would like to learn how to grow it. Uh, what years was that? Uh, this was in my college, college years. I didn't pick up trading kind of going forward with it. Um, until a little bit after that, but that's kind of like my first taste. And then mm -hmm. I, I'm not really sure exactly where I started becoming very fascinated with learning how to trade. I just know that a lot of people have kind of different interests. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as time frame, are we talking about early 2000s, 2010s, um, kind of I think 2000s. to get a, a backdrop? Yeah. 2000s. Oh, so 2000s. So this was after the dot-com crash or before? Yeah, but before that, I wasn't I wasn't in the market at that time. Um, I really, really started learning how to trade and become interested in the market about 2006. Mm -hmm. That's when I really started going to Barnes & Nobles, reading books, getting, trying to get videos and stuff. I still couldn't understand anything I was reading. I would read a lot about it. And then ironically in Barnes & Nobles, I met a man, his name is George, and he introduced me to, to my mentor. And he taught me about the market. He was a private trader and he didn't take on students that much. And he kind of, a lot of these private traders, as we know, Ian, they're, they're very, very private. Um, so I was able to, to interview with him and he took me on as a student. And that's how I started learning about trading. Options trader, private trader for about 30, maybe 40 years now. I see. Uh, so um, you learn from books, you learn from him. And uh, when did you first set up your first trading account? So the mentorship started happening um, every three times a week or about an hour. And that's when I first started to understand a lot of the stuff that I was reading and looking at. And at the same time, what was now a waste of time. Like, okay, we're not going to pay attention to this. Just, we're just going to focus on this. And 
the simplest stuff, which you know, moving averages or candlesticks, became very, very clear. So now he started teaching me about options and just the overall market and how the stock market works. I eventually um, opened up a, a brokerage account, started paper trading, and I paper traded for about six to eight months and then went live. So I had good results paper trading and then went live and, and everything was going fine there. So that that's kind of the the steps that I took. Mm-hmm. And so when you um, actually went live, did you feel that you were pretty well prepared and had a pretty good background uh, in education and you felt reasonably comfortable? I did. I did. Mm-hmm. And everything everything was good. Uh, small lots uh, came down to having like a set core of stocks to always trade and to take a look and to place these trades. That way, when I met with my mentor, it's a little easier for him to review my trades. So he kind of knew what I was trading and he knew what stocks I was going to place trades on potentially. And he knew when to review when we met. So it was a pretty, even though there was a delay in the review of the trades, it was pretty on time. Mm-hmm. So how were your early trades? Uh, how did they go? Did you they, they did make well. some early they ones? Well. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they did mm-hmm. well. You know, you have your losing trades, especially at learning, you're going to have losing trades. So you have your losses, but the, the winnings trades always made enough money to cover the losses. And mm-hmm. the losses were, were small because I wasn't trading uh, big lots. So I was trading one contract at a time in sim and, and practicing and then eventually went live. And yeah, I felt perfectly fine. I, I, I wasn't afraid. Um, I knew the stocks, how they moved, and I've been practicing with them. So I had a, a certain intimate relationship with them. Uh-huh. And uh, what types of stocks did you trade? And were you a uh, strictly a technical trader or did you include fundamental uh, analysis in that too? Technically, uh, a technical trader, that's what I focused on. Not too much fundamentals. Uh, we just were focusing on what the stock is doing now, what price and what it could potentially do. And then we would use options to try and profit from those moves. So you can buy the stock, as we know, and profit from the fluctuations or buy the options. Um, and then there was a time frame. So at the beginning, I was a swing trader, which means that I would hold positions between two or three days and see what the stock does. A lot of the times, um, we're just kind of seeing what the stock is going to do, and it takes a long time. So the learning curve was fast because I had a mentor, but sometimes reviewing some of these trades took some time because we would be in them for a, for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. How long did this mentorship uh, go on for? And uh, sounds like you were profitable for some period of time. Um, you, you, yes, kind of dream come true. You didn't you didn't suffer from early losses. Well. It was in the beginning of 2007 and 2008 when we know what the stock market did. So eventually I went live, ended up um, opening up my office with a couple other traders in New York. And we were there trading with a little bit, let's say, not the best experience to what happened in 2008 and 2009. So when we look at the market, we sell out opportunity, but our experience, our inexperience doesn't allow us to capture that. So there was a a gap between what was potentially there 
and what was being captured through our strategic trading. Mm -hmm. And did your mentor um, experience something similar to you or was he on a different, traded something completely different and different strategies? Oh yeah, well, he's he's a very advanced options trader. So mm -hmm. a lot of the times the stuff that he's comfortable executing, I would not be comfortable executing for a few reasons. Number one, I didn't have the experience of how complex uh, certain things can be, or I didn't have the capital. So we had to do things that's specific for your capital. And when that happens, then you have to have a different mindset, approach and strategy. So a lot of the stuff that maybe other traders with bigger capital can do, a smaller trader can't. And so the things that we were able to try and capture on, it's a little different. And then sometimes being exposed to a volatile market so early in your trading career is, is actually bad because you see stocks move a lot when it's not normal, like the markets we have today that, or in 2023 they move a lot. So a stock that's been moving five, $7 is now moving 12, 15. So when you're fresh into the market, these type of market environments, you start believing this is normal and it can mess with you a little bit because then you always believe that these are the type of profits that can potentially be made in the market all the time. As we know, the markets have different environments and that's what a trader needs to go through is to understand these different types of environments. Mm -hmm. uh, were you trading full-time as your primary source of income uh, or was trading uh, an extra kind of like gravy on the top because at you had time, other sources of income? At that time, um, the, way my, the way my life was, I was concentrating only on trading. And actually, this is a funny story because when I first started, you know, they say you have to be dedicated, you have to be determined. So I, I was printing out so many charts again that my my recycle bags were like three or four of just shredded paper. I was going through shredders like crazy. I'd always got buy a better shredder and just print out the charts and just look and analyze and just really learn and try and take in what my mentor was was teaching me and then applying it on my own. So when all this started happening, um, I went all in and it has its benefits and it has its drawbacks. And the, the, the drawbacks is trading is very isolating, which means that you can make a lot of mistakes, especially when it comes to trading live and you don't know how to react to it. So you get introduced to how to make a decision, but when you're trying to fix a decision, it's something that you get paralyzed on because you're always thinking, is it the best decision? So you don't know your options. So losses kind of start lingering. Is this the best option? Is this not the best option? What can I do? And once again, that's building the experience of knowing I'm going to make a decision. This is the best decision currently, but it's it's not always the perfect decision. You're not looking for the perfect decision. You're looking for a good decision. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so you were trading full-time as your primary source of income, uh, were you aware or did you calculate the annual percentage rate that you needed from the markets to pay your bills? This, this was something that I did not really pinpoint. One of the things that 
that was happening was my personal expenses and my office expenses were were something that I believe I was able to take from the market. But it wasn't so much of how much I was able to pull out. It was the execution of it. So a lot of the times when when I tell traders my personal story, how I ended up uh, being passionate about risk management is going through all that, something triggered where I started looking at the market in a different way. And a lot of mistakes started happening. So I know we spoke about it, Ian, that, that I went back on trading stocks, ended up homeless, living in my car, my credit cards maxed out, my credit completely destroyed because of my irresponsible and reckless decisions that I made. Now, it wasn't always this way. And I, that's why I love the fact that we spoke about the one contract and kind of taking it slow. Somewhere along the line, everything kind of got triggered and and started placing aggressive aggressive bets in the market. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit more about how you went from uh, some small early losses um, that were increasing in frequency to homelessness. I mean, what what happened to your trading uh, between then and before you became homeless? Well, the trading took took on a different meaning because. With the zigzags that we currently have, that's exactly what was happening in 2008 and 2009. So you had a profit, and then all of a sudden it disappeared. The losses is something that we don't talk about a lot, is the speed at which a loss can occur. So when the markets turn very volatile, the speed at the, at the losses appear on your screen are so fast and intimidating, it's almost in a shock. And then a few minutes later, it can be a profit. So this is something that just started happening on the opposite side, on, on the competitor side. Well, all, if all these zigzags are happening, then I can make more and more money with these type of positions. And the inexperience is what really led me to, to lose a lot of money in the market because I would not understand when I should exit a trade for a loss, and then we get bigger and bigger and bigger. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Mm-hmm. So what you learned earlier with your mentor and in the books, did you feel that those uh, lessons were more better applied uh, during calmer market conditions? Uh, was 2008 um, a type of market where what you learned didn't apply very well? Or was it the psychology of applying what you learned prior previously? The, uh, the second part and uh-huh. the, the psychology of applying that mm-hmm. it is beyond two different distinctions. It, mm-hmm. I can't express enough to any listener out there, any new trader, that the application of what you're learning is key is by far the most important part and when you're learning something you're going to make mistakes and in the market those mistakes cost money so you want to minimize how much a lesson is going to cost so you have two traders trader a and trader b enter the same exact trade for the same exact reasons and the end result is a loss trader a just bought one share for example so they're going to lose very, very small to learn that lesson. And trader B, who just got aggressive in his learning, lost, let's say $500 for the same exact lesson. These two traders are gonna talk about why they no longer wanna enter a trade like this. One of them, it cost them, let's say 10 bucks, 20 bucks, and the other one cost them 500. These are the lessons that you have to learn as a trader. The lessons do not have to be expensive. You will dictate how expensive that lesson is. Mm-hmm. Did you share uh, these results with your mentor? Uh, and if so, did he have any advice for you? That's a that's a that's a beautiful question because my mentor is actually very very conservative, and he did not teach me to trade aggressively. Now, yes, in certain certain moments in the market, you do want to be aggressive, and that also takes experience and training. So you can get aggressive and add on more risk without being reckless. And that's super important. So if you're if you're risking an X amount, that's perfectly fine. And if you want to add on a little bit more risk, that's also fine, but it doesn't have to be reckless and irresponsible because risk management is not a numbers thing. Risk management is an emotional state that a trader's in when they're about to place that trade. So that's why well, Risk management should not be taught in numbers. It should be taught more on an emotional level on why this trader is placing this trade emotionally to understand that your emotions are your best friend in the market. And we get taught that you should trade without emotions, but your emotions are always going to be tied in with when it comes to risk. Because if you want to increase the stakes with anything and you bet you already want to perform. You already don't want to be wrong. You don't want to lose. And in the market, when it comes to a trade, you have to be very, very willing to say, hey, I have to close this trade and not view it as a loss. It's just an action you're going to take. And it's an action that that you're going to need to take because you have the strength to take a a loss and move on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you, uh, were you affected by revenge trading? Revenge trading is something that I think is is a word that could be used to being competitive too, because mm-hmm. revenge trading, you could be down in the day, and then if you call it revenge trading, then you come back from those losses, and now you're in positive territory. 
So what is revenge trading versus continuing to trade in a strategic manner? So everything in the market has to be very strategic. And that's what new traders need to understand that you have to know why you're placing these trades. But in an interesting, in an interesting follow-up for that question is, let's say you're going to place 15 trades and you say, okay, this one's revenge trading. This one's eagle trading. This one was boredom trading. They all have a reasons why you entered the market. Now, if all those trades become losses and you still follow your risk management plan, you're fine. So it doesn't matter what, when, or how you trade. As long as you have a risk management plan that accounts to, hey, these are the reasons I'm entering, but I could be wrong and you know, cap the losses, you're perfectly fine. So the reasons are not as big as the risk management part. And we focus a lot on the reason and we take the emotional part about risk management, which should be opposite. So what makes the psychological aspect of applying these rules so difficult? Is it because prior to making the trade, intellectually, you can agree like, oh yeah, you know, I'll do this uh, and I'll do that if these things happen and you're fine and you're calm. But once you get caught up in the swell of emotions, um, do you feel like you're losing control of yourself um, to this wild emotional animal inside of yourself? That that could be a part of it, but it's the competitive part and the part that you want to believe that you can identify a a moving target and where it's going because the stock market is a moving target. So you're going to have to identify direction, price move, the time it will do it, and how it will do it. And you're placing money on that. You're placing a bet that you're going to be able to identify these four things. That is very, very challenging. So we have to understand it's almost like playing tag or dodgeball, like you're going to miss. And it's important to not get frustrated because you also know what's normal in stock trading. So if you have to identify those four things, one of those four things you're going to miss, you might miss on all four and that's perfectly normal. So to be competitive and to be aware of what's normal in the stock market will always lead to traders breaking risk management because they want to believe they can identify all four. It's almost, it's almost illogical to think something like that. You're going to mm. be wrong and you just want to make sure that the stock market is your opponent. So sometimes you can defeat your opponent and sometimes the opponent defeats you. When the opponent defeats you, that has to be at the minimum loss possible. You have to mm -hmm. minimize the damage. I see. So uh, how long was it from the time that you started to lose money until the time that you presumably blew up your account and became homeless? Yes. And then it was about six months to a year. So with personal expenses and office expenses, losing money in the market, it, it really, really kind of like the perfect storm. It really went down pretty fast. And it was... Once again, just placing irresponsible or reckless trades. Um, uh, trading became like an addiction. So you overtraded. So you placed a tremendous amount of more trades than, than you should. Um, all of them are not strategically based trades. And it's almost something that I just that I just couldn't take control over. I don't know how to explain it, but after learning more and more what gambler's addiction is or compulsive gambling, 
I know now that that's what it was. When you revenge trade and you impulsive trade, you're, you're entering and, and you're really touching on gambling, compulsive gambling. And we want to make sure that the retail trader understands this. That's why I help the, re, the retail trader. All the help I provide for risk management is free because I know what it is to go through that. And I know what it is to trade on your own and not have anybody to talk to. A lot of traders trade on their own, which is extremely bad. And I know you, there's a program to, to have accountability partners. And that's crucial because you don't know how you're going to react to this. This is something that's, that's very, very stimulating in many different ways. And we don't understand that. And when people call it gambling, it is if you treat it that way. But we have to be more strategic. Mm-hmm. So reflecting back uh, upon that time, were there any clues that you were aware of or your fa- friends or family were aware about you that indicated that you had a, a tendency toward uh, gambling, drugs, I don't know, alcohol, video games, anything that is can be very addicting? Did you have those tendencies beforehand? No, because... Sometimes the word addicting is also can be translated into obsession or passion. And when I started doing this, this trading and I went on my journey, I, I isolated from everybody. I wanted to concentrate this. I didn't go out. There was never any of, of drinking or anything like that. It was just really just learning. I wouldn't leave my house for days, just looking at the stocks and learning, learning this. So when it became something that I didn't understand what I was doing. I wasn't really talking about to anybody about this. So I was, I'm very private when it comes to certain things, when I want to achieve certain goals. And this was one of them. So I just wanted to kind of get the end result. So I was a workaholic working on this, working, working. But the reality was, was I was going under and I didn't know how else to tell anybody because it was, well, he's a workaholic. He's just concentrating as to me hiding all these results that were happening and knowing that that I had a timer on my finances and that this didn't look good. So trading became very, very pressure-based and you're not able to perform your best that way because you're not going to take profits when you can because you say, well, this profit is not big enough to cover some of the expenses that I have. So you may start placing irresponsible or reckless trades and that will mess with the execution of your trades. So uh, your need for this income uh, did pressure you into taking trades uh, that you shouldn't have taken and and or holding on to positions longer than you should have? Correct, yes. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, turning it once again to to uh, an addiction. So it's, it, it goes into being competitive, learning, addiction. It also hits certain points where, is this even possible? Can someone make this amount of money in this short period of time? And you place these aggressive trades to kind of find out, is this possible? When it does, it kind of triggers something else inside you that you may want that all the time. So it goes from trading to gambling to excitement. And this is what you have to really, really pay attention to as a trader. Because if you're starting to feel these things, understand that this can trigger something that you may need help with. And this is why risk management or risk managers are at these prop firms and everywhere because the trader loses control, they have the ability to go and close all those, all those trades out for the trader. The retail trader doesn't. 
So it's important to talk about risk management, not so much in a linear way, to to give the, the retail trader actionable steps that I'm by myself. What can I do to, to slow down the speed at which losses are occurring? And that's something that Ian has not talked about in the industry and anytime that it talks about risk management. The speed at which losses are occurring is more important than the actual dollar amount. Because mm-hmm. if you don't know how fast you can lose the $200 that you planned out, then it's irrelevant. Because once a trader says, okay, I'm going to lose $200, and and then it appears on their screen, and it appears so fast, now they're in that shock. So there's two, sh- two types of shock. There's the shock that the loss is there, and then now there's the shock of the speed. And then you get frozen. I don't know what to do. What should I do? I have no, I'm by myself. And then they don't make any decision. That loss turns into 400, 600, 1,000 and plus. So the speed at which losses are occurring, here are the three things that you can do. You have to close something. You have to close something. You have to take action. You have to be able to identify a losing trade. What is your criteria to say, hey, this is now a losing trade. It met the criteria for me to exit. And the dollar amount is going to be attached to that, but there's also the speed. What what occurrence needs to happen for me to close out a losing trade? And how fast can that happen? Is it technical? Is it price? Is it indicators? Whatever your strategy, but you cannot place a trade not knowing how fast this can turn into a losing trade. That's more important than the dollar value. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, so this process of uh, when you're losing all this money, uh, did it feel lonely? And when when did you actually hit rock bottom? <laughs> it it is it is. I smile about it now because I have the strength to to tell to tell everybody. But there was a, a very very key moment. Remember, I isolated myself from everybody. I didn't want to go out. I'm a workaholic, but at this time, I really have no money to be social or to meet with friends for anything. And it was time. It was time. You know, rent was backed up, credit card, everything was overdue. Everything was just a mess. And I think it was time. I was, I was like, you know what? They need to know the truth. My best friends, they need to know the truth. So we went out one time and we were all there talking and they asked me, how's, how's your, how's your stock trading stuff going? And I'm like, right away, Ian, this is my response. I lost everything. And we're sitting together, five or six of us just hanging out, catching up. And, he, and they're like, one of my friends is like, what do you mean you lost everything? I was like, I lost everything. And it's like, all the, all the money I have is the money I have in my pocket. Wow. That's it. And I get emotional about that point of the story, not because of the pain and not because of the experience, because what I'm about to tell you is the biggest like breath of fresh air that happened in that moment. And that's, I I didn't have to lie no more. I was like, I felt like such a weight come off my back. And they were like, what do you mean you lost everything? I was like, I lost everything. I have the only money I have in my pocket and stuff like that. And I felt free again. And from that day, I'll learn, I'll never be broke again in my life. I, I just felt free again. I felt free. I was like, okay, it's time to work. It's time to it's time to work. It's time to move forward, and 
one of the most beautiful things that another best friend of mine told me, he said, <laughs> he said, he said, I never had that much money to lose. I've always been broke. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that made me, that made me laugh so much because it's true. I, and that's why I appreciate the opportunity to be a trader and to go to this, like this journey of, of making a better life because someone never gets an opportunity to do that. And I want to take this moment right now to just say that I know that my story of losing everything, going, going bankrupt and everything that we spoke about earlier is not above some of the real problems that everybody faces, like having a terminal illness, an amputee, a lot of the really, really big problems. I never want my story to be above any of that, please. I just want to make sure that we just allow the retail trader to know that placing irresponsible reckless reckless trades has an end result. The addiction towards stock trading and turning stock trading into a gambling addiction, all that stuff has an end result. And some people are weren't as lucky as me. I have to say I was lucky because I lost everything. I was single. I didn't have a wife or, or, or a child that I have, my beautiful son, Zachiel, and my beautiful wife, Lola. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's something like, I just want to say this when I lost everything my wife was with me mm -hmm. and it was interesting because I said I could lose everything but I can't lose her and we're still here together after after all this so it's oh, important wow. it's important to to know that there are risks in the market, but the biggest risk in the market is you, the trader. Mm -hmm. So how did you uh, kind of rebuild yourself? I mean, what was the process of you starting over and um, kind of re-educating yourself, uh, kind of resetting yourself? And how so, long was that? Th that took many, many years. And because first of all, your credit gets destroyed for about eight years. Right. So now you, you can't really do much. So all these struggles and fortunately, once again, we're here in the States where there's opportunities. So I didn't, I didn't go into no addiction mode in the sense of um, God bless everybody, any addiction, drug addiction, alcohol. I didn't go that way. My, my thing was just straight. I have to get to work. I'm going to work wherever I got to work as many hours I got to work and just get, get through this. And it took uh, many, many years many, many years. And the the addiction to the stock market was always there because every time I would save up a little bit money, I would put it into the stock market and continue this journey to, to be a trader. So everybody, everybody has a different journey. And we want to make sure that, that there's one path that we all understand is that it's going to take some time for you to learn. You have to go through different trading scenarios. You have to go through understanding your strategy intimately. Sometimes it's not going to work. Sometimes it works exponentially. Sometimes it's just kind of break even. And when you don't understand this as a trader, you put a lot of pressures on executing and performing in the market that doesn't allow you to make the best decisions. So it's more important that you come into the market with uh, money that you can afford to lose and really, really wanting to learn to trade, not just to place trades.
Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned in one of your uh, recent videos that you uh, have on YouTube that your current mindset is not built for stock trading. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yes, because a lot of the stuff that we do for work gives us a paycheck. We can make mistakes. We can make a lot of mistakes. We could even learn on a job and we still get paid. So we could take that for granted, knowing that we're not going to be our best or perform our best, or we don't need to perform our best in order to, to receive an income or a paycheck at the end of the week. When it comes to trading, you have to be very, very strategic. You have to know that you're going to take losses. You could have a losing week, a losing month, and you have to be able to sustain that mentally, emotionally, financially. More emotionally, because money means different things to everybody. And for us, it could mean helping our family members, more security, maybe giving back to the community. And it's it's something that you're going to put a lot of pressure on. And it's something you have to know that there are there are traders that trade only one stock. There are traders that just trade every three months. There are traders that trade every single day, maybe five, six times. So there's so many different styles. And for you to understand your style, you have to go through that learning curve. There's no, hey, this style is better, that style is better. You just have to kind of go through it like we spoke about. It's perfectly fine to go through it. You just have to minimize the losses when you're finding your way in this in understanding your strategy or why you're placing a trade and everything that goes through with the market environment, trading news, trading earnings, trading a bull market or a bear market. Mm -hmm. And as part of this learning curve, uh, do you advocate that uh, new traders go through um, uh, a paper trading for a while before they go live? Yes, I do. But many traders don't want to trade paper trading because they don't feel that their emotions are attached, they're real, and that's perfectly fine. There's pros and cons to it. But when you're paper trading, you're paper trading, can I identify my strategy is present? Can I identify it's time for me to throw to the end zone because the defense is playing this? Is it is it time for me to do X, Y, Z? That's what you're practicing in simulated trading, fake, fake demo, demo trading, because once you go live, you're going to make mistakes and it's perfectly fine. But if you can't identify when your strategy is present for you to place a trade, there's no reason to put live money for you to understand that. There's no reason for you to lose money in the market if you're just placing trades without any direction. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know of a way that, what is the best way for us to train our emotions? Because um, that seems to be the, the biggest uh, stumbling block, right? It is. To train our emotions, you have to put in your reps. You have to go through your losses. And I like to help traders with four types of losses. There is number one is a planned loss. Number two is a respectable loss. Number three is an embarrassing loss. And number four is a devastating loss. We have to be able to identify our losses. And the reason these four are there is because I want to talk about your plan loss is the one you calculate. It's okay, I want to lose $200 on this trade. You know that when the criteria for a losing trade is met, it's going to equate to $200. But the respectable loss is because a lot of times you hear, you hear new traders say, oh, I get stopped out and then trade goes for me. So a respectable loss would mean that you give your trade a little bit more leeway to see if it's going to work in your favor. So you have a $200 loss, okay, you don't want to take it out. You still want to see, okay, maybe it could turn around because this is something that it's in my mind all the time. And you give it maybe another $100. 
right? I don't want to get too much in the percentages, but that's the idea. That's the emotional part of training your mind. Okay, I don't want to close it out. I don't want to take a loss. I don't want to feel uh, bad or have a low self-esteem or anything that goes with how you identify or attach yourself to a losing trade, but you give it a little bit more leeway and then maybe you can close it out. So you're still you're still taking on risk, but not in a more emotional, responsible, not reckless way, but you still have to take action to close a losing trade. Well, if we look at our trade and uh, it's now turning into a potential respectable loss, are you advocating that we decide on the fly with our emotions um, You know, as we watch it manually, or do we just isn't it better just to set our stop losses wider? The the retail trader, the new trader will not do it that way. That's why I want to make it more aware for where the real problem is. And the real problem is going through that emotion. If you go through those emotions enough, eventually you will say, maybe this rule is very important because look what continues to happen. As opposed to forcing the rule, when we get forced upon a rule, we, we feel like our freedoms are taken away from it and we want to have freedom of choice, especially expressing ourselves so creatively in the stock market. So we will we will not pay attention to the rule. So it's better to embrace where, where the problem is coming from and say, okay, how do you feel? How do you feel about this loss? Like, talk to me, write it out, mm -hmm. write it in a journal, voice it, um, email yourself, whatever, really, mm -hmm. really go through it and maybe look at other numbers. What if this was a, this loss? What if this was an embarrassing loss, a devastating loss? Do imagery. Close your eyes and, and visualize yourself taking this loss. How would you feel? How would your account be? What? How, if you had to tell this story to your friends and family or, any, or any, another trader, go through those emotions. What would they say? What would they think about this? This is, this is where the starting point of risk management is. Mm hmm. Um, you've mentioned uh, that categorizing. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, you mentioned about um, position size. Uh, if you're wrong, you won't get hurt. Um, how do we how do we define that? And how do we get enough skin in the game to care, uh, but not too much? To that's all an emotional state. And that's all also part of your account. So you can get addicted to that also. and. I'd rather someone get addicted to, to the process. That's more important. If you get addicted to the process, you always want to trade. You will see that traders who blow up their account will feel worse that they cannot trade. So we have to really approach risk management to ask yourself, you want to trade. You want to trade as long as you want to at least go through those emotions, whatever you're feeling. So don't hurt yourself enough where you can't trade. So you want to make sure that the position size is something you can go through all the fluctuations of the market, like the Fed meeting yesterday, how it went up and down. You need to go through that. How do you feel looking at your PL go through it was profitable and there was losses? And that's why some traders don't look at their PL because they have to find this out. So it's important that you give a trader all the all the choices and let them go through all the choices and emotions towards risk management and let them tailor risk management to themselves to understand, okay, I can go on a losing streak. Peter Brandt, who's obviously one of the greatest, one of the greatest traders to trade. And he says with 90% accuracy, he goes on a 10 to 15 trade losing streak. 
So when traders get into, into trading, not only do they not account for a losing trade, they don't account for a losing streak. Therefore, they don't place the pop proper bets on each trade. And one of the videos that I made, is it's, it's called a block trading, where you place 15 trades and then you say, you know what, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is if you lose all 15 trades. Where is your account going to be? Where are you going to be emotionally? Can you handle that? Do you know which trades are going to be winner or losses? You don't. So it's more important that you look at risk management from all the areas that you don't want to. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned block trading. Is the value of block trading such that we don't place so much emphasis on any one single trade, but are able to um, trade, you know, many trades, consider them as a block, and then learn from that as a general uh, lesson rather than getting traumatized by one trade? It's kind of both because mm. once you tell the trader you have to plan to lose all these 15 trades, you're already going to get resistance. The mind's already going to not want to calculate the X amount of, of money lost if you lose all 15 trades. So that's why when you think about the emotional part of risk management, you also have to find out how you, how you evaluate your mistakes. And the reason it became the a risk advocate or really, really like a risk manager, because I want to make sure that people understand how to train themselves properly in your emotional part of risk management. And I got started because I was able to, um, to share my story with, with Terry Ijeoma, who has a trading academy. And she, she shared my story. We got, we became very close and I shared my story with her students. About that time, she had like 20, 200 students and I was there talking about risk management. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to share my story because a lot of people don't want to kind of show their losses. And here she is saying, you know what? The risk management can lead you down this path. We're going to teach you how to trade, but we also need to teach you about risk management. Now, risk management has become very, very dominating now because of the 2022 market. And you can really see that a lot of traders are not putting a lot of emphasis on risk management. Mm -hmm. um, you've mentioned uh, in the past that uh, trade management, the art of trading is actually more important uh, than knowing when to enter and exit. Uh, so some of this stuff that you're talking about is part of trade management? Yes, it's also, we're going to take a look at the the retail trader doesn't know how to enter a trade yet. Maybe they don't have a mentor. They haven't gone to any forums. They haven't. They don't really understand. So when you enter a trade, you have to be able to know that it, you have to be able to duplicate this. And if you're entering trades for an emotional reason, that's a trading system in itself. And we want to kind of be aware that we're trading emotionally or, or trading strategically. And it doesn't matter what, what you trade, when you trade, or how you trade, it'll always lead to making sure that the trader's psychology is not crossed a trigger to place an irresponsible or reckless bets. And if you're starting out, it's better, let's say you have an account in of, uh, of $10,000 and a new trader is going to come in and they're going to make mistakes, which means they're going to lose money. You're better off taking that $10,000 and breaking it up to, let's say, five accounts. Fund your account with $2,000 and 
if anything happens, you know that that's your max loss. You don't have to rely on yourself and your emotionals and your training to, to kind of stop out and deal with losses. You already have a stop loss on your entire account. If, if you do anything reckless, all you're going to be able to lose is $2,000. Now, and you have five accounts. So if it takes you four months to blow the $2,000, then you have you already prolonged yourself that you're going to be in the market learning for almost a year and a half at that rate. And you can learn everything. You can trade as many stocks as you want. You can trade different events. You could trade earnings. You can trade the different um, cycles that the market goes through while you're learning your craft. Mm -hmm. So the key is staying alive long enough to uh, learn this process that's uh, not just intellectual, but uh, very emotional too, and learning to embrace your emotions, right? Yes, because the market has two types of risks. The There's a one-to-one risk ratio, which what we just talked about. If you, if you take that risk and you just put it in your entire account, you could only lose $2,000. That same thought process can be done in a stock. So if you're going to buy a stock, let's say Apple to make things easier, and you put $5,000 in Apple, all you can lose if, if unfortunately, let's just, just, just put stock XYZ. Let's not even put Apple. Stock XYZ, you put $5,000 and all you can lose is $5,000, right? If the company goes bankrupt, that's all you can lose. Then there's the partial risk. So we have the one-to-one risk we just spoke about and we have the partial risk. The partial risk is if you have $15,000, you put it on XYZ and you say, you know what? If it goes to $10,000, I'm going to exit this trade and take a $5,000 loss equivalent to the first example but now it's a partial risk. Now you have to actively manage this trade. Then most of the time, traders think they're good at that and they're not. And this, this loss turns to 8,000, 7,000 your account and your account gets lower and lower and lower. So you're better off, once again, at the very beginning, since you don't understand what you're not good at, just put in $5,000 in stock XYZ and you know that's your max risk no matter what. You've mentioned earlier about being in a flow state um, when making decisions. What is that and how do we get there? Being in, being in a flow state is very different for, for everybody. And I know we talk about a lot about meditation, maybe visualization. One of the things that really helped me last year has been getting a trainer. And I have a trainer three times a week. So it really, really has helped me emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It's something that you have to learn to have a lot of self-care when you trade because the market's there and it's always going to be there to maybe embarrass you, make you second guess your decisions, always think that there's a better decision. So you're always going to be in a, in a mind state that you're not making the best decisions or there was a better decision to be made and you start chasing the better decision. When you start chasing a better decision, it's going to cost money because you're going to make mistakes trying to get to that better decision. So you want to be able to minimize and always have rules in place on how is it that you're going to navigate yourself when you're making a decision. Because you can feel bad that you didn't make enough money, right? And you could feel bad that you lost money. So now a trader is dealing with all these emotions. I made money, but I'm so frustrated. I'm not happy. I'm just very, very beyond myself because I didn't make as much as I could. And now you have losses and dealing with the losing streak or losing month. And now 
you're there, you're there. So you're dealing with these two types of emotions every single time you trade. It's going to be very frustrating, very taxing. You're going to build a lot of anxiety and all this energy has to be released in order for you to have a clear mind. So journal, uh, talk to other traders, maybe um, kind of get an accountability partner. You can just run your emotions through it and kind of get balanced where you're, you're doing these type of emotional exercises in a positive way. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a trainer. Um, what kind of trainer exactly? Uh, I, I got a physical trainer and I also got a, a boxing trainer. I did that for a little oh. bit and it was very, very helpful. It's good to have tangible goals outside of the stock market because you can trade and put in many, many hours, especially at the beginning stages of your trading career and, and not get paid. And you feel you're going to feel a certain way about putting so many hours and not getting anything in return. This also pushes traders to place irresponsible, reckless trades because if the market is not giving you something that you expect or want at the time you may need it or want it, then you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to place this trade and I'm going to make X amount of dollars because I need to get paid by the end of the month. And that's not the way the stock market works. So if you have something tangible that you can work on every single day that you know that after 30 days, there's going to be something you can check off, a goal, something you're going to be proud of and be happy. That's going to help you a lot in trading and it'll balance your, your psychology and your mindset and your mood. So you're not trading so much emotionally and at least in the negative emotions where you're, you're, you can hurt yourself financially. Excuse the last interruption here. This is Tessa. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you love the podcast, please give Chat with Traders the best review you can on whatever platform you're listening from. This will help us to keep the episodes coming. Also, if you haven't subscribed to our email list, please hop on to chatwithtraders.com and click on subscribe so we can keep you posted of information that may be of importance. Thank you. Now back to the chat with our guest. What are a lot of the reasons for overtrading, uh, and how do we avoid it? Uh, you mentioned emotions, getting caught up in the emotions and the addictions. Are there is there anything else? The overtrading is easy to get into overtrading for for many reasons because you're looking at stocks move, and you want to be smart about it that you predicted the the stock went up or down, and that amplifies with having a lot of a lot of stocks to trade. So we have to also identify that there are different styles to getting into overtrading. So if you're a trader that it's always looking for stocks to trade, then if the stocks are moving a lot, you might end up with a lot of positions just because you want to capture each move. Now, if you're a trader that has like a universe of stocks, let's say 12, 15 stocks, and then you're just excited to place trades because you enjoy trading those stocks, you you may overtrade and have a, end up with a lot of positions that way. So we want to make sure that the overtrading is it for excitement? Is it overtrading because you're you're learning your strategy? Um, is this done in real or fake fake account? Because if your strategy went off and got triggered fifteen times, that might not be overtrading for one trader, and that might be overtrading for another trader. So. We want to make sure that every time you place a trade, you're learning something. Either you're learning something about your strategy, you're learning something about the market, you're learning something about yourself and how you're dealing with all these emotions and the way the market's moving, the way you're interacting with your PL, the way you're interacting with journaling, and everything that goes on in this universe with trading. Mm -hmm. 
So how would you differentiate, uh, what are the common practices of a professional trader compared to uh, novice traders? What habits uh, are different between them? The the professional trader, and this is a good friend of mine, Todd, has always said this. He says, I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. At the very beginning, I didn't understand that. And you can talk to another trader, and I want everyone to truly understand when you're beginning uh, your trading journey, the right answer to your trades is, I don't know. <laughs> That's the right answer. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we actually go opposite of that. We want to say, I know this, I know that. What you do know when you place a trade is that it met the criteria for you to enter a trade. It met the criteria for you to bet a certain amount on that opportunity to see if that trade works. What you don't know is the result. So you should have more confidence in saying, hey, do you think Tesla's going to go up? Oh, I'm bullish on Tesla. I don't know, but I'm bullish on Tesla, but I don't know. That's it. That's, that's a perfectly good, solid answer for all your trades. You don't need to explain your trades to anybody because their reasons for trading are very different from you. If they're long Tesla and you're not, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. Even if you're trading right next to each other, if one trader's short and the other one's long at the same exact moment, that's perfectly fine. As long as each trader has entered their trade based on the strategy that they want to implement with solid risk management plans, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. Great. Um, I'd like to uh, wrap things up with some psychology and, uh, Curious, um, what do you struggle with most in trading? I love to trade. That's one of the things that it's super, super, it's just exciting. It's super entertaining. It's something engaging, but we want to make sure that we stop trading more than we continue to trade because you always want to engage into the market in a strategic manner. So when professionals trade and don't trade, we want to make sure that there's a lot of strategies out there. Like some traders only trade earnings. That's all. That's the only time they trade. So they don't trade for three months. Some traders only place five or six trades a year, some five or six trades a month, maybe one trade a week. Once a trader knows that the frequency of trading has nothing to do with the results, because all these strategies that I just mentioned have earned traders millions and millions of dollars. And they've had to go through their learning curve to understanding when not to trade. And when not to trade is going to cost you money also. So mm -hmm. all these lessons, just make sure you minimize the cost so you can find out who you want to be as a trader, what you want to be as a trader. And if you're like a creative person that doesn't want to be in front of their screens, then you're going to trade differently than someone that wants to be in front of their screen. So those strategies cannot mix and match. I see. So it sounds like the key importance here is getting to understand yourself, what kind of trader uh, you resonate with and pick your strategy and then follow that, like specialize. Yes, because a creative person, a person who plays music, and there's a lot of people who have done very well in the stock market, they just don't trade. They do other things outside of the market. It's important to read about them in the market wizards. You'll see that a lot of traders do 
a lot of great things outside of the market because that's what they really enjoy doing, helping people, creating art, music, very artistic, very fact. They do not want to sit in front of a screen. So you can't force yourself to, to be in front of the screens if that's not your natural tendencies. But you can be very, very profitable in the market if you have a hundred thousand dollar account, you make twenty thousand dollars at the end of the year. That's a twenty percent return on your on your money. That's amazing, but that's not going to provide a life for you in certain certain areas. But you're you're doing you're taking a skill set, a lifelong skill set, and doing something that you're supposed to do is grow your money and do it in a slow in a slow manner. So don't press so much on making trading your your full time because the idea is to have multiple streams of income. And you see a lot of multimillionaires don't just do one thing. They do have money in the stock market, but they have a company, they'll have real estate, they have other other streams of income. So let's make sure that that we understand trading can be one source of income, but don't don't be attached to it to where you feel really bad about the person that you're becoming. I see. Um, so have you been active uh trading in the market in the last year? Yes, the most of the time I tend to be a bearish trader, so I, I'm I'm more of the strategy that I'm building and have built tends to be better performing when the markets go down. So a lot of the times that I'll have certain zones in place, and different zones have different let's say strength and support and resistance to them. So we kind of wait for how the strategy performs during certain market waves. And sometimes it exponentially performs. Yesterday, it did well. And then today, obviously, gave a lot of the gains back. But kind of like the frequency to get more in tune on when to put on more risk and when not to put on more risk. Mm -hmm. um, so are you looking to short stocks then at, um, once it hits certain resistance levels? Or do you specialize in any particular sector? No, that that's a good question because at the beginning we, we spoke about just looking at too many stocks and you become competitive and then you just end up with too many positions in your portfolio and then your portfolio has too much risk and it's moving too fast. Then we started just focusing on for personality reasons on just very, very few stocks because personality, you can just trade one stock and that's perfectly fine. So don't get caught up into wanting to trade so many stocks. If that's not your personality, just trade one stock because that's a style in itself also. And just focusing on the SPX, that's that's something that keeps me happy at the same time. Risk, risk reverse, SPY, which is the same thing and a little slower, but just really focusing on that to making sure like uh, the other trading errors that are personalized are, are not active. Mm -hmm. So are you more of a swing trader or day trader? Uh... It, it, it's a combination of both. It just kind of depends on what the market is doing, and I'll have a duration for a trade. If it's a if the market make made a move where the price is time to take some profits, then we take profits. But it's more it's more just kind of depending on what the market is doing, especially in this market environment. Uh, risk wise, you don't want to be holding on positions too much overnight, which is something that you you want to go through as a trader. Can I? you know, hold positions over, overnight. Is that something that I'm comfortable with or I'm not? Once again, every time you're you're learning a strategy, you want to learn it and personalize to what emotionally feels right for you. So it's more important that if you don't want to hold down risk, that's perfectly fine. There's pros and cons to that. So there's pros and cons to every 
every strategy and risk management is the cornerstone to every strategy you can implement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed you have quite a few videos on YouTube uh, sharing your wisdoms that you've accumulated over the years. Uh, are you now more excited about helping people or does trading still provide uh, that level of excitement and intrigue that it did in the beginning? <laughs> the the helping the people has always been something that I love to do. Always, always, always. So with the story that I'm sharing today about going bankrupt and and being responsible for it because I said I place irresponsible reckless trades. I wasn't taught to place these aggressive trades. I wasn't taught that way. No, no trader will teach you to place irresponsible reckless trades. They teach you maybe to put on more risk safely, as we spoke about. They'll teach you how to have daily, daily stops. They'll teach you about having a trigger, emotional trigger parameters. Every time I feel this way, I tend to make these type of aggressive decisions in the market. I don't perform well. And helping people kind of navigate with risk management, which is something that is not spoken about so much in the industry, because people are, I wouldn't say have they don't have the confidence, but it is a little embarrassing to say, hey, I lost money. Hey, I was wrong. Hey, I might be wrong multiple times. And it takes a lot of strength to to say that. And I, I want to be the strength for other people to to say, hey, he went through that. I'm going through that. Um, I can speak to Alexander. I can resonate with him and say, you know what? Let me contact him because I know what he's going through and we can just chat it out. I get a lot of emails in for just people just voicing voicing what happened in the market. I lost X amount. This happened, that happened. That's perfectly fine. If you just need to journal and just reach out and get it off your chest, you can email me. That's perfectly fine. Oh, great. Well, uh, how can our listeners uh, contact you? All the All the help I provide for retail traders is free. So- you can email me as much as you want. It's alexander at traderhelp101.com, alexander traderhelp101.com. And all my YouTube and social media stuff is, is traderhelp101. It's all free. I don't want, I don't ever want someone to be in a position where I didn't feel that I knew where I could go to get help if I'm struggling with losing trades or struggling, struggling with risk management or how to even begin on to to really look at risk management the right way, emotionally, mentally, and financially. It's it's uh, it's almost like the retail traders trades by themselves. They don't have a risk manager uh, there to close out their trades. They don't have anybody they can go to because they haven't faced something that's going to embarrass them all the time. And it's something that well, you lost money, you were wrong on this trade, and I feel less than, my self-esteem is down. I'm not, I don't like making mistakes. I don't like making mistakes on others. And it's magnified by the loss of money. And we don't have the proper training to not only fix a mistake, but feel a mis- fix a mistake that has to do with a financial loss, emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've certainly been through uh, many emotional turbulences throughout your uh, experiences over the last, what, 15 years or more now. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on Chat with Traders, Alexander. Thank you. And thank you, Tessa. God bless and trade safely. You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but rest assured there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon. So to stay updated with each great new release, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Chat with Traders. Thank you.